Hey everyone, and happy Saturday. This is Paul, host of Pod Rocket, here to bring you one of my favorite episodes of Pod Rocket that you might have missed. Svelte and Modern Front ends with Scott Spence. This is one of my favorite intro discussions that might help newcomers dive into Svelte, as a newcomer has felt myself and a personal fan of the 100 seconds of whatever that you might have seen from Fireship, I found this super helpful to get a bird's eye view and the lay of the land of a new web framework that has me more excited to dive into web development than I ever have been since the start of my career. So here it is, Svelte and Modern Front Ends with Scott Spence. Hope you enjoy. Hi, and welcome to PodRocket. I'm Sean, and joining us today is Scott Spence, Developer Relations Engineer at Storyblock and Svelte Society London Meetup Organizer. He recently gave a talk at Connect Tech 2022, Building Was Feltget. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Sean, and uh, it's really nice to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Before we jump into things, do you mind just giving us a little background? Tell us about yourself and, and your role. Sure, yeah. Um, uh, I'm a second career dev, uh, recently transitioned into web development, uh, web developer since 2018 now, so it's quite a while. Transitioned into developer relations in 2021, so um, pretty fresh to the role. And my role at Storyblock, uh, as you said, developer relations engineer, mainly to remove friction and help educate people around using headless CMS systems. Awesome. And then how'd you get involved with Felt Society London? Svelte Society London, I can't remember. I think I just wanted to um, get involved with the meetup. Um, I think I reached out on Discord maybe or spoke to one of the, the current organizers and asked them if I could help out. And I've been I've been helping out ever since. So it was November 2021, I believe. I've been doing it for quite a while now. I try to keep a good cadence. So try to do it on a monthly basis. And yeah, next one's uh, next week. I'd, I'd love to jump more into that building was felt talk and just kind of go through some of those points. How, so how is felt different from some other frameworks? I think, you know, as web developers now, we're kind of used to seeing like new frameworks come on all the time. A lot of people are, you know, it's going to stick with React, but you know, why should people kind of give, give Svelte a, a chance? Yeah, so, I mean, JavaScript fatigue was a thing a couple of years ago. I'm not sure if it is anymore, to be honest. And Svelte isn't, I mean, Svelte Kit is new. Svelte itself, been around quite a while, since 2016, I believe. So it's V3 now. And um, I just, I, I was very much involved with the Gatsby ecosystem and I think it was the latest version bump and it's obviously me doing something wrong, but one of my sites was really slow and I thought, oh, you know, I'm just going to try this, this felt thing. And I think I saw a talk from Rich Harris where he did the, the, the announcement for Sapper V1 and there was a big drum roll in the video and he said, the launch of Sepa V1 is going to be never. <laughs> and then introduced SvelteKit and then showed us, you know, SvelteKit and how that was working. And I was really impressed with with that, you know, with Rich as a speaker in general. Um, if anyone's listening and they are not familiar with Svelte, there's a great talk which everyone references by Rich Harris, which is called Rethinking Reactivity. And if you just search Rich Harris Rethinking Reactivity on YouTube, you'd be able to view it. And it's a great overview of uh, Svelte and you know how it works so I think that was for 
Svelte V3. And in it, he goes through what makes Svelte reactive. What you asked me initially, and I've sort of rambled on a bit now, Sean, but um, is that what makes it different is that Svelte is uh, a compiler. So rather than have your sort of JavaScript runtime shipped to the browser and have a virtual DOM to you know track if anything's changed, it compiles all of your JavaScript, CSS, and HTML up front. So it knows anything which is going to change up front. So you only... The thing with the compiler as well, you're only ever shipping the like the minimum uh, set of features you need rather than like a whole set of features, which you get with other frameworks. Yeah, right. And I, I know that like one of the problems that, that people run into with JavaScript is trying to get that the bundle size down. And of course, like, you know, things things like Next now will be more smart about code splitting and what they actually ship to the browser. But um, in, in terms of rethinking the reactivity part, how does the actual like developer experience differ from using maybe something like React or another framework? Like the reactive variables part was a bit funky to get your head around. So if uh, anyone's listening and they don't know how reactive variables work in Svelte, it's basically a dollar colon syntax. And then you put your reactive variable after that. A lot of people are like, whoa, what is this? Um, it's uh, going back to Rich's talk again. It is actually valid JavaScript. It's, it's used for labeling uh, lines in JavaScript, but because Svelte's a compiler, they, uh, they you know they use that for the reactive part. It's not well known and not widely used. So they, the Svelte team, you know, co-opted that and started using that for the reactive part of, uh, of Svelte. The other thing with uh, Svelte which might trip some people up is if you have a component and you want to pass props to it. In a component, you would accept those props as export let prop name. And um, a lot of people you know, don't jive with that. But if you just roll with it, it's just like uh, bringing in props to any other component, really. But you're just using a different syntax. And uh, a lot of people, they struggle with that as well. But because it's a compiler, we're exporting props <laughs> to, to the component. It doesn't sound right, but that's just how the prop comes into the component. I was... Ended up looking up the, that label thing. It's funny because I, I had never heard of that feature of JavaScript. So yeah, so you can actually like label, you can do nested loops, you can label the loops and you can choose to continue on on either of them. But it's pretty interesting. And uh, I don't think too many people are, are going to complain that they've sort of co-opted that that feature. And it's, it's, it's a great tool for having anything in which you want to react to any user interaction on the page. You can just put it into one of these reactive variables. It's really handy. So what advice would you have for maybe orgs or, or teams who want to use Svelte and they've kind of bought into the, the better developer experience, but they might they might have a hard time like justifying it uh, with, with that alone to their company? That's a great question. And there is a great answer in a talk uh, from one of my friends, Chris Ellis, who I believe it was the August uh, Svelte Society meetup in London. And he did just that. So he works for a company called ExtendOps. And they work in South American countries with which don't have a great mobile internet speeds. And they needed to be able to ship applications or tools to mobile users. Um, they didn't really use desktops. So um, he was very bullish on that. He, he was the CTO, but he had to sell it to the rest of the company. And without going into too much details, basically reduce lead times. Um, I, I'm guessing if you saw the talk at Connect Tech, I think I'll go over this as well. Uh, it's reduced lead times. It's 
easier to understand the code. It's um, a lot more concise. So you, onboarding developers is it's a lot faster. It's simpler to pick up because it, it is HTML, CSS and, CSS and JavaScript contained in a file. And what I actually didn't cover as well is that those Svelte itself is a superset of HTML. And I think the reason why Rich Harris chose that is because JavaScript, CSS, and HTML all in one file. That is the reason why it was chosen to be a superset of uh, HTML. So anything which is in HTML spec is going to be uh, you know, valid in, in, in Svelte. Selling it to uh, your, your boss, let's say, would be faster lead times, you know, onboarding is quicker and smaller, you know, relatively faster, but not massively. Um, so they're all benefits as well. Yeah, I definitely see like the efficiency gains. Like in the in that talk, you kind of compared different code snippets. Um, I think it was React versus Felt. In in most cases, this Felt one was it was a bit smaller for sure. It seemed like there was less boilerplate. Yeah, roughly forty uh, percent less code to do the same thing. And I didn't. I tried not to draw too many comparisons, but I think I did it with vanilla JavaScript as well, where you just have a button, and it's it's. You know, it's less verbose for, you know, vanilla JavaScript and for React. So because it, it, it's declarative, you, you know, you, you, you tell the browser what you want the outcome to be rather than every exact instruction it needs to have. But that's that's a that's a framework feature rather than, uh, you know, just a feature which uh, Svelte has and the others don't because, you know, declarative frameworks do just that for you. Yeah, that definitely seems like, you know, a big part of why there's less code, though, I guess, in, in JavaScript, the imperative style, okay, you you tell the browser to add an event listener and then you, you, you listen and do a certain thing, or it's just like, if you tell what you want it, what the outcome should be, then it should, it, it's a lot simpler, it seems. So, so that's felt, but there's this thing spelt kit. So, um, maybe for, for our listener who might not know the difference, do you mind kind of going in, going into that a bit? So, yeah, I mean, spelt kit, um, if you are familiar with Nuxt and Next.js, spelt Kit is the uh, the equivalent to Nuxt is to what did I call it? <laughs> um, Nuxt is to view and Next uh, Next.js is to React. Um, Svelte Kit is to Svelte. So I think both kind of is a, one way to think of it is like Svelte Kit is sort of like a like a, a broader encompassing framework on top of Svelte that adds maybe more convenience features to it. Absolutely, yeah. So it will add your routing, um, give you the ability to use uh, endpoints in there. So you, you can call out to um, do your database calls. It, it utilizes HTTP methods, so you can do your uh, you know get. I'm trying to think of other verbs. Get put and delete um, post. Yeah, in those ones. <laughs> so you can use uh, those in in. Uh, Svelte endpoints takes care of your routing. It's got an awesome router, and it's it's because um, if anyone's listening, they aren't aware that the the actual creator of Svelte, Rich Harris, along with I'm trying to think of his actual name, but I just know his handle is Dumdy Dum Dum. Uh, I think there's two two of the main core maintainers of Svelte SvelteKit are actually working for Vercel. They were very privy to a lot of the changes which Next.js was making and decided to artistically take those features and use them in SvelteKit as well. So um, there are a lot of features in uh, SvelteKit which are similar to what you would get in Next.js. And it's what you'd expect with like a modern day uh, meta framework, let's say. 
Gotcha. Yeah. So that's, that's funny. So they, there's some inspiration perhaps from, from next, maybe they, they saw the writing on the wall and, and how popular some of those features would be. One of the interesting, so I'm more experienced with next than, than spelled kit. So one of the things I love about it is that um, you can kind of declare whether something's going to happen statically at build time or server side, or whether it's going to run on the browser. Are there any kind of analogs to that in, in spelled kit? It's, it's changed a couple of times now. So I'm actually hundred uh, percent, certain of what it is but i'm going to need to to find out but you can um with the v1 launch of uh, a a spell kit they 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 did like a naming convention with the the plus page dot svelte and plus page dot js or ts and um, this was around august time where they sort of totally changed this naming convention a lot of people got mad um, a lot of people didn't like this because the naming convention was in the past, you could just put in like a page name, you could just call your homepage.svelte and that would be your homepage or it would actually be like forward slash homepage rather than like a dot index. But the, the SvelteKit core team decided to have anything which would be like a root name be in a folder and it would be co-located with the, uh, the code which was going to load any data to the page at that time. And any data which would come from a server, which would be in a plus server.ts or JS file. So they, they really separated the concerns there with that sort of information. So there's not, so you know exactly where you're going to to get data. So if you want to get some server data, you'd go into your server.ts file. Or if you want to get your, your page data, you go into your page.js file. So there's, there's really good separation of concerns with that. But there are a couple of variables which you can. Uh, export at the top of a page to say I want this to be server rendered only I want this to be statically rendered but I can't I can't actually think of what they are so but yeah there's there's a lot of fine grain control in there yeah no it, it seems like it pretty important to like separate those concerns of what's running on server versus client you know one of the things about next that I've I kind of find interesting is that you can have like the same file and then you know some of the code might be running in the client. Some of if you export, you know, get static props, that'll be running on the server. And so it's, and there's different things that you might not want to run on the client versus the server. So like, in my opinion, it's good to know kind of, kind of which is which and and separate them as much as possible, I guess, even just for security reasons. Yeah. I mean, um, if you, the thing is though, say if you want to read uh, some markdown from a uh, a file with, you'd need to use like the, the file system and you can only do that on the server. But then you want to get that into some front-end code. You'd need to you know, do a fetch from uh, a page.js file, and then that would load up the data for the page. So there's like a bit of jumping around to get stuff, but like you say, it is well-separated. The trade-off makes sense, I guess. Like that seems you do like more shuttling of data around, I guess it, it, it sounds like to have that separation of concerns. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I understand where the community is coming from, I guess then. And, and while we're talking about separation of, of concerns as well, uh, <laughs> there was always this thing where you would always have separate JS, HTML and CSS files. Svelte's gone, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to have it all in one file. So it's, it's all gone full, full circle again. But I don't know. I've been working with it for since around April 2021, I think. After 2019, everything's just sort of blurred into one. But um, uh, So I've, I've, been, I've been using it for quite a while. I've, I've been along for the ride up to like V1 with the release of uh, SvelteKit. Had all the fun everyone else had in, in August last year of having to refactor 
any project that was in uh, in Svelkit to to accommodate the new routing structure and stuff like that. I'm very comfortable with it now, and I can't remember the last time I looked at some React or you know React code. So I'm, I'm very much in the ecosystem now. So might be a little biased as well. <laughs> Well, yeah, and React has undergone some some major changes as well. I know this one's a, now more a few years ago, but the uh, the class to function based components. So, so certainly, some folks had to do some rewrites in the in the React community as well. I, I loved the the change from class based React over to hooks. It just made so much more sense to me. What's the one where you always had to put the call back in, but you never put it in, and you're always like, "Why isn't this working?" Oh, it, it, async await. Yeah, the the fix for the callback L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that was good times. I, I, I used to work at uh, like an agency. Uh, my, my first two sort of web developer jobs were in agencies. And we had an old React 15 project. And everyone hated going near it. And uh, as soon as Hooks come along, we're like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to convert this to, to use Hooks. And there was four people on the team. Each one of us tried and failed. And <laughs> we, just, we just left it. It's like, okay, they can just stay there. And uh, we'll just have to work with classes in React uh, until it gets sunset, which it did quite soon after that happened. But, um, yeah, it was it was a revolution. Or you know, you could you could pitch this felt rewrite. I would love to have done that. Um, I, I, I was very uh, very keen to have done it in Gatsby at the time because it would have just simplified things a whole lot. It wasn't a, a very big site, and you know there was like several pages, and I was like, look, this is going to be a lot faster, and. Um, that was, that was my selling point. It's like, gets me fast, static pages, goes out, people can interact with it. And a lot of the stuff we were doing didn't have like a great deal of, you know, stuff which needed to happen on the server. I mean, if you're using a static site, there's, there's not a great deal you can do. But um, we, um, yeah, that was my, um, that was the, the sort of main driving force behind a lot of projects taking on Gatsby at the time. Yeah, there were there were some people who were, not, not so happy when like really large projects come along with you know hundreds of thousands of pages and they had to wait a long time for stuff to build. <laughs> anyway, let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah, you're moving on to, to better things with, with Svelte and, and Svelkit now. And, and are, you, are you using that at Storyblock? Yes, yeah, indeed. Uh, so we've got a Svelte client to use for Storyblock. It uses like the use directive. So you can you know take a HTML node and do what you want with it, basically, in JavaScript. And we are using that in uh, Storyblock to manage all of the, uh, the dynamic data which will come in from the Storyblock endpoint. You, know, you can do quite a lot with it. And uh, to really, I, 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 didn't, I didn't code it myself. Uh, some of the people on the team did it. Done a great job of it you know, with the V1 release now because, as I've said, a lot of times now, everyone was thinking it was, you know, in beta still. We're like, this is solid. Everything's going to be fine. And then uh, everything changed. But we're in a good place for it now. And uh, it's really handy to use. Awesome. Yeah. And have you gotten any feedback or have you heard any issues from the Svelte Society in terms of, you know, implementing Svelte into projects? Or just, I guess, yeah, have you have you gotten stuff back from the community that you've, you've now kind of like taken back into your work? So there are some bits, like especially with the the JS client for Svelkit is rich text rendering. I think we've got a couple of outstanding issues on that. I should know, but I don't how many actual projects are using it in production. But there are a lot more people asking about it. And there's, I can't think of actually any which has said, yes, we love Svelkit and we're going to use it in production. But we're there, we've got the tools for it. So uh, we're hoping that there's going to be a lot more adoption of it. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, hopefully it uh, has a very exciting future. And yeah, you, you've also, uh, just to, to plug that you've written some great posts on Spelt and Spelt Kit and Tailwind and uh, your YouTube channel as well. Do you have anything else to, to plug for our, our audience while, while we've got you here? My, my YouTube channel, I haven't actually released anything on that for a while. And a lot of the content on there is has been invalidated after the uh, spell kit roots changes. So um, not great to learn there. I mean, I put a load of stuff on my blog as, as I learn stuff. I'll go through and sort of document it on there. So that's uh, scottspence.com if anyone's interested. There's a couple of cool bits I want to do for uh, a talk. So at the end of this month, we've got the, the meetup coming up. And as I said about the, the, the use directive, where basically you can do anything within your um, uh, your HTML elements. So for, like I wanted to have, uh, like generally have your details box. I recently did like a, a dumb project, which is like my whole life, just a string of dumb projects. But on a whim, I went to HTTP, HTTP codes.dev and it was empty. And I was like, oh, okay, is this available? And it was, so I went and bought it. And then literally I just wanted to be able to put in uh, you know, HTTP error codes and uh, just, just be able to filter down. Um, so I went and stole all of the um, HTTP response codes from uh, MDN and just put them into like a big array and just have it as a filterable list. And within that, there's like a little details expansion and you could use the Svelte fly transition, but for some reason it was a bit janky at the end. And I think it was just because of the actual height um, it didn't know how to calculate it properly. So I went in and uh, added some custom uh, CSS animations to it, just so it was a lot smoother. That's something cool I've been sort of playing about with recently. I did a Avenger uh, Commerce showcase I, I did in, in December, but I've been working on like a little example project which uses SvelteKit, but also uses Houdini and KitQL to uh, like Houdini's like the GraphQL client for SvelteKit. And I was in touch with the person who runs Venger, his name is Michael Bromley. And he was very patient in getting me set up and running with like a Venger backend. He uses the Venger read-only like example API. But uh, within that, I also used some like cool Java, uh, like you click into a search box, it expands. Just some like nice little interactions like that. So and that does the same thing where you just, you know, put in your custom animation you want to use, and then you can just assign that to any element you want to use it on in, in your project. So that was quite cool. And, you know, I'm thinking about just expanding more on that and, you know, my learnings. Um, it was cool and it was a good experience and there was a, a lot learned in that. So I need to sort of sit down document that as well but like you're saying again going back to the youtube channel i want to do like a let's let's do svelte again so um not svelte kit but just like you know the absolute basics of svelte each part of that and i'm sort of trying to think through i don't want to make it like a whole project like small little examples you can do and just just put a load of stuff out like that but there are some really good content creators out there at the moment there's joy of code uh, I believe the guy's name is Mattia. And there's also uh, Hunter Bytes. Both of those guys are putting some really good content out there for uh, SvelteKit. So if you are you watch YouTube and you want to consume some SvelteKit content, I'd recommend those guys go check them out. 
Awesome. Yeah. Well, if you end up putting some spelled stuff on there as well, I'd be really interested to see that. And yeah, we'll uh, keep an eye out on on your blog for for more content. But um, it's been really great having you on and, and I appreciate it and excited, uh, excited for what you do in Svelte in, in 2023. Awesome. Thank you. It's been great.